You're done cleaning your phone? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're ready to go. <laughs> yep. Hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch romantic comedy. At least she'll never tell you that your hips are too fat. Hello! Welcome to RomanticComedyCommentary.com, or as the teens like to call it, RomComCom.com. As always, on the fashion and passion-filled department store shopping sprees that are romantic comedies, I will be one half of your personal shopping team. I'm Haberdasher Justin. Wow. And to help you pick the perfect fine leather goods to complement your outfit, this is Leathermaster... Sarah Leathermaster. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't think of what else to call it. <laughs> and this week, to help us ensure you got the look, we have with us <laughs> cosmetic sales associate Natalie. Ooh. Hello. How are you doing this week, Natalie? I'm so well. I'm happy to be here. And excellent. And <laughs> if you couldn't tell from that excellent opening line from Sarah, this week we are doing Mannequin? <laughs> yes, Natalie's everybody, choice. Everybody can readily recall quotes from Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those incredibly quotable movies. It just sticks with you from 1987. It has a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and a 5.8 on IMDb, but 86% on Google. Oh, really? Yeah, I find wow. that Google's the only one that like truly reflects if the movie's fun because hmm. this movie is just well i didn't so i didn't know the google rating but that could make sense because it, it has a cult following yeah huh and apparently audiences loved it at the time i can 100 percent see that it's such a funny it's awful yeah the premise <laughs> like, is just we all don't have to dance place. around it it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> i would call it i well what i had written down here is it first is a rom-com for kids and, a, and like a question mark what? but yes yeah, so it was like a kid rom-com but then it had a ton of super dirty raunchy stuff in mm. it so i don't know it would jump from like these fun little lighthearted scenes to the guy the one um his ex-girlfriend's friend that she worked with acting super racy and commenting how big his dick was so mm. it was like all over the place yes the sexual harassment is rampant in this <laughs> film alive and well in the 80s but Justin, as you said, for children, the first time I ever saw this film was on the Disney Channel. Are what? you kidding In the me? early 90s. Yes. Oh, so really, you were, when you said kids, I thought you meant like teens, but you meant No, I kids. meant kids. I'm pretty sure I saw it wow. maybe at like 7 or 8 p.m., but on the Disney Channel, like, wow. you know, on basic cable as a kid. Yeah. Huh. And I mean, of course, none of it really set in like it did. Well, I didn't think <laughs> on, today. on Disney, they had to have edited out a lot of this stuff. I mean, the guy like, again, yeah. the one guy was the main creepy part of it. Yeah. Well, and then also that through the whole movie they're, they everyone is really aware that he is having sex with a mannequin. Oh, yeah. So they You're probably had all kinds of jokes about it. You know what we should probably actually do is explain what this movie is about in a one minute summary uh, before we dive in this because I'm going to guess some people haven't seen Mannequin. Uh, Natalie, would you like to give a one minute quick summary of the plot of Mannequin and then we'll dive into the deep details of it? I'd love to. <laughs> Just on the surface, Mannequin is, I suppose, a romantic comedy about a starving artist type played by Andrew McCarthy. He is a mannequin maker. <laughs> yep <laughs> and makes this beautiful mannequin uh, but what he doesn't know is that a Egyptian, Egyptian. princess <laughs> has inhabited the mannequin um, she was upset that her parents were trying to arrange a marriage so she 
prayed to the gods and they answered her prayers. Oh my gosh. Um, so <laughs> that Emmy, story. Yes. So Jonathan Switcher and Emmy start this romance and Jonathan becomes a window dresser at the department store that he sees Emmy at. <laughs> and she's his muse, right? Yes. Yeah. They create beautiful windows <laughs> displays together. <laughs> yeah. But of course, somebody's got to be jealous. There's a rival store down the street, Illustra, mm. that is upset with all of the attention. The amazing work he's doing. Yes. All the beautiful <laughs> window displays are bringing. And I would think sales. They don't really speak of that, though. Oh. <laughs> it's all about the artistry. Um, but yeah. So, I, of course, you know, the rival store wants to poach Jonathan Switcher and somehow steal Emmy. So they can't be together can't be making these beautiful windows and mm. just soaking in each other's <laughs> so love bizarre. so all, more hijinks ensue <laughs> but all right. he falls in love with a mannequin <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there you go that he created i would have loved to be in the room when someone came in and pitched the idea that you just I said because you gave a hundred percent accurate description <laughs> I would love to be in that room and see the guy's face. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to throw money at that. Bring me more cocaine. I do. I know. And I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems so of its time, but I, it's loosely based around One Touch of Venus, which was a late 40s film, I think. Well, the whole thing is based in on pig, the, Pygmalion, Pygmalion yeah. myth. Right. Um, and I, <laughs> I suppose it's quite faithful to that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I, it, as I was watching this, I was thinking... What if they tried make with this just being like such an '80s movie in every single way? If way if they tried making it today, what would that look like? Like a Pygmalion type tale, mm -hmm. and would that be her? Is that what this story today would look like? That movie, her with Joaquin Phoenix, not even as a rom com, oh, just as a movie, huh? But does he create her? In a sense, like it's an AI made and yeah. it develops with him. So I mean, there's a feedback there, I guess. Well, and I I've also thought of Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But again, I would, yeah, I think there's something that better fits here with the Pygmalion and Galatea because he actually creates this mannequin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Lars and the Real Girl and in um, her, they are, he, it's like he finds them and mm. then they develop a relationship. Mm -hmm. With a, you have to be the not creator person. Yeah. from from moment one. Having a relationship with someone, something that's not human. It's a very creepy story, head to toe. <laughs> we can all we agree on that a hundred percent, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> we should go over the story of Pygmalion. He was a um, oh gosh, Roman poet Ovid creates the story of Pygmalion, a sculptor who makes an ivory statue representing his ideal of womanhood and then falls in love with his own creation, which he names Galatea. The goddess Venus brings the statue to life in answer to his prayers. So there you go. So Pinocchio is one of these. Yeah, but that's a father-son story. Well, I mean, it just yeah, that's very, like a yeah, type. Though. Yeah, yeah, a creation that, that you then create a relationship with. Your love brings to life, I guess. Mm -hmm. The movie does open, which I thought was kind of bold out of nowhere in Egypt. And oh. they don't really dive <laughs> very much into Egypt after that. Uh, but it starts in Egypt, and when then she I just kind of disappears. I really think Kim Cattrall, you know, that really comes to mind as the first person when I think Egypt, <laughs> for sure. Well, and the other thing is that I couldn't help but... Okay, so what they, what they propose in this movie is she starts... It starts in Egypt. She is 
saying she's like standing in a tomb or something she's like just standing in an alcove or some weird thing and yeah completely mm-hmm. swaddled and yeah. mummified apparently <laughs> yeah that was weird and she's complaining to her mom how she doesn't want to get married and then all of a sudden her daughter just disappears and in the intro they seem to insinuate that she's been amused through history it was yeah, like showing yes. her in different things huh that's one of my favorite questions from this film is why did she choose the 80s yeah mm. did she choose it or was she put there she chose i'm pretty oh. sure well, she she travels all through time yeah and like kind of references you mean why she ended up staying in the 80s well right? i guess or yeah i guess yeah because mm. she did say like my old boyfriend christopher and he's christopher, christopher columbus, columbus. <laughs> and, the, and then and michelangelo was busy mm. with with David yeah, so I thought that's the <laughs> avenue that they were going wow. to go in was like a Greek, like a muse type of thing. I mean, yeah. they hit on, but then it came back more to the Pygmalion thing. It, yeah. Either way, the Egypt thing came at, okay, so as the movie went on, if I was <laughs> this guy and I got this girl's background, okay, first off, there's a mannequin coming to life. I'm assuming I'm going <laughs> to the hospital to get looked at first. <laughs> and I think Andrew McCarthy is pretty convincing as somebody that thinks he might be going crazy. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, I think if it, he I mean, plays bewildered, well, he does. It's something about his, his eyes. eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if a if a mannequin comes to life and she tells you, "I prayed to the Egyptian gods and they turned me into like a mannequin or spirit river and I'm here," and you've seen this, aren't you immediately worshiping the Egyptian gods? I mean, like that they're the hmm. Egy- they won. They they've they've proven they exist. They have taken this <laughs> to one woman. guy to one sad starving artist. Well, I mean that's a that's a lot more a proof in front of my eyes of something supernatural than I've seen I mean, th- ever before. Is a mannequin coming to life for him? Yeah, but for like the rest of the world, I'm at least saying him specifically. Oh, okay, shouldn't he be having like a King Tut beard by the end of this movie and, and just he's like a complete hmm. convert? Praise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. how do you not have that guttural reaction? Of the, I guess the or else uh, it's an immediate trip to Bellevue Hospital to get myself checked out. Well, and this is another rom com that, as it goes on, we've seen this in a couple of them where the person is obviously not well mentally. Yeah, but everybody's just like, la, 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 la. <laughs> this is so funny. Did you see him? kissing that mannequin <laughs> or he, ta- la, la, la. he takes her back into the storeroom at one point everybody hears like sex noises and their ears are against the door and mission mission taylor's there and it's like he's he's having sex with a with a, a plastic mannequin doll <laughs> and everybody's just like yeah but he's bringing in sales with those yeah, crazy but look at what he's creating <laughs> look at those window designs but those windows <laughs> he can't be stopped the movie you know goes through that whole intro and we see him and a mannequin a factory which how terrifying would one of those be well be? and but <laughs> yeah. did you notice Ooh, all the gentlemen are so chipper just like kind of dancing around and <laughs> you know he's trying on different limbs for her as if yeah. he doesn't know Will this wig <laughs> it, that a mannequin factory has to be the most terrifying place oh my on gosh. Earth. and especially if it's one of those have you guys seen how they have the different kinds of mannequins? Like some stores will have the ones with the over-exaggerated faces and all that. Hmm. Oh, yes. I think yeah. that might be very disturbing. And, but imagine that yeah. all those pieces, they have to all be being made at the same like factory. Mm-hmm. So you walk through and there's faces just like. And, and then there are blank faces. Yeah. And there are. 
And if there was like, mm. say there was a lightning storm and a power outage mid shift, like mm. fuck that, I'm out of there, man. No way. I don't. Yeah, I don't like mannequins. So he turns out a mannequin, and it's done. <laughs> he did it in what, like uh, one in a month or something? I think it was, yeah, hmm. something like he should be making four a month, yeah, or something like that. that and he, he and he says I'm a sculptor, and yet it's all presumably poured parts into that a he form. Found. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and parts these. He was walking through the the floor just finding parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets fired there's from a there. lot going on yeah so he gets fired from there and it goes through like goes through him with a bunch of other jobs apparently he is terrible at work he's always he's always looking Everything. for the beauty in things right like he's <laughs> like he wants to make the right balloon animal for oh the kid God. just do you your do. job <laughs> and nobody the, yes nobody gets it there was a kid that, that wanted a giant balloon and he gave it to him the kids started floating away and the dad came up wearing a shirt that said super dad <laughs> I want to get that shirt for your husband so bad. Aww. He would never wear it, but I'd, I'd, I make, say. Well, I'd, I'd make Emma in on it. So she'd be like, Dad, put on the Super, super Dad shirt. <laughs> super Dad. If it's made out of the material that's like super soft. Like sweatpants? No, like, like a sweatpants. What if I got him a sweatpants shirt that's in Super Dad? That's a, called a sweatshirt. But like short sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good idea. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. So he has all these jobs, and we meet his girlfriend, who's Roxy. Roxy, who's do we like Roxy in the beginning? Mm. No, apparently not. Well, she's with all the yuppies, right? That's mm. a great shot of just a bunch of eighties yuppies uh. in front of the store. It's just a. Nagel drawing, mm-hmm. or you know, yes, just Patrick sitting Nagel, there, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, but yeah, she's very much the like the it girl of the 80s, right? That's mm. how I kind of understood her character. And she's pissed that she's got to ride on the back of his motorcycle. <laughs> I no romance about her mm-hmm. at all. No, it doesn't look like that actress has been in a whole lot of other stuff other than a mannequin and a film from 1990 <laughs> called The Shrimp on the Barbie. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe her career isn't just, you know, banner. Well, I'm looking at the uh, poster for Shrimp on the Barbie, and I <laughs> think I am way on board with it. It's with Cheech Marin. Oh. All right, we may have to look into this. I don't know if it's a romantic comedy, but... She, <laughs> That's she's promising. A, she's an ice cool heiress. He's hot to trot. It's Desire down under. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like it could be. The Shrimp on the Barbie. What I don't understand is why they have this incredibly complicated backstory about Egypt and all this stuff. I just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, why not have a big storm at the mannequin factory? One gets struck by lightning and comes to life, you know, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Why does it have to be this backstory of this muse through the ages? Then you have so much more explaining to do. Mm-hmm. Well, they had like, to get the crack oh, about Mike. Well, they had to get the crack about Michelangelo being gay, and that oh. was the point. The movie was That's structuring. Yeah, it yes. was building towards that one, <laughs> that one part. But I agree with you. I mean, it complicates things. Yeah, unnecessarily so. But I think Roxy leaves him right that night. She gets fed up with him losing another mm-hmm. job. I think, mm-hmm. and then he sees Emmy again in the store window in during the store the ra- window during the rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything happens in the rain. Mm-hmm. Anything mm-hmm. supernatural. How bad? And then later she says, like, oh, you know, when he ends up, she comes to life. Like, oh, I just saw you that one night and you looked so sad. Man, how pathetic do you have to be for an inanimate object to feel bad like, for you? On you. <laughs> well, I, I think he shouts through the window something like, <laughs> I wanted to take you home, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Definitely want to shout that through a store window. I know. That's totally normal. That's like the epitome of New York City in the 80s. It's like crazy people yelling on the street. Mm -hmm. Everything feels slightly unsafe and dirty. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well... That's a rom-com. You do realize this takes place in Philadelphia. Oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> I did know that. The whole movie, I was, I was thinking the same some... thing. The yeah. whole movie, I kept thinking it was New York, too, because it kind of had that... I've never been to Philadelphia. Me neither. I only know I it I hear through. it's always sunny there. Yeah, that's all I know it through. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't hear a lot of, like, Mark Wahlberg accents as they were walking around. <laughs> and that's that was why I didn't know it was Philly, is I had to hear that. Wait, what? If it was Philadelphia... Is it Mark that's Wahlberg? Boston. Oh, I'm thinking that because he was in that movie about Philadelphia and still yeah. had his accent. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, I just want you in everything. <laughs> you, you managed to get him in again. So did you guys also think that the the mannequin... So are you familiar with the concept of the uncanny valley? Yes. Okay. Are you as well? Uh, I think so. It, I mean, I can kind of guess what it would mean. You don't mean. want to go too deep yes. into that valley. It's yes. like the more human-like inanimate things or robots mm-hmm. become the more uneasy we begin to feel about them well, yeah. and i definitely think this mannequin they went just a hair too far into looking like oh. kim cattrall it, i would say uncanny is the perfect way yeah. to describe it like i wanted it to look a little less human-like mm-hmm. they For worked me, very hard on that mannequin they made six of them i, I know <laughs> six of them doesn't that make you feel good about the world that you live in to know that somewhere mm. out there in the world there's got to be one of them that survived there oh, is a for sure. kim cattrall mannequin probably in from some mannequin museum out there or in, it's like the end of uh indiana jones there's just a giant warehouse full of kim cattrall you're mannequins just never gonna know where it is i like to believe one of them is in a like the house of a guy that became obsessed with this movie as a child oh, yeah. and it's like a weird sex thing or mm-hmm. like a like a prop guy that got fired and maybe like i'm taking this with in me. his car when yeah. he was leaving like <laughs> screw you guys this is mine this is my severance i read a thing that she said she worked out really hard going into this so that she would be toned like a mannequin or she, she looked like very a thin i thought she looked mu- i mean she had abs yeah she was yeah toned and tight also going back to philadelphia i was reading a review claiming that you know this could be considered the greatest movie ever set in philadelphia (laughs) what (laughs) like what about the movie philadelphia (laughs) what about a philadelphia story oh well no philadelphia was about todd philadelphia it wasn't actually set mr smith goes to philadelphia Mm -hmm, no it's just like (laughs) i know you're joking but this is just awful what about uh i believe national treasure was set partially in philadelphia you don't hear that talked about a lot no you don't uh rocky (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) there are lots of good philadelphia movies and yet this one was voted the best by according to this man i assume some type of readership (laughs) no 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 it was a guy that was his thesis i like to believe he took an impromptu poll though to reach that thesis like he yelled at his kid like what movie you like about philadelphia (laughs) like leave me a leave me alone ron leave me a peanut butter (laughs) so we we all thought it was new york at some point but it's really philadelphia his girlfriend breaks up with him she works at at the other shopping the other department store yeah Uh, yeah. and then he goes to the department store company yeah which is the to get a job or to get something? Um, he's, I think he goes back for Emmy. Like he's that's right. He okay. sees her that night, I and then he runs off with and joy. Yeah, and <laughs> comes back the next day, and that's when he runs into Estelle Getty. That's her first role, by the way. No Is it really? Way. Yeah, like sixty-five, sixty-three, sixty-five. Yeah. 
Isn't that crazy? Oh, I didn't know that. There's no way. That's what I had read. Brian pointed it out to me. That's amazing. Yeah. Why well, is just thinking you never see... Young Estelle guy. Yeah, like you'll see a young... Betty White. Yeah, a young Betty White or a, a young Pierre. <laughs> I can't help. I'm just finishing your sentences. I'm right here with you. You're just finishing my sandwiches. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah, all her acting credits. There's not one before... 1978 no this wasn't her first this wasn't her first film but 1978 was Hmm. this was like in the middle of her this was in 87 and it shows her she was in tootsie well i take it all back it says middle-aged woman so i'm assuming it's like a background character (laughs) oh wow that's not really she was well stop her my mom will shoot wow yeah 70s so she was what she didn't even start start her acting career till she was in her what 50s 60s (laughs) till she was in her 50s or 60s that gives me hope that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. I thought There's she was still time. I thought she was entertaining in it. So he's walking in and a sign falls and almost hits him. So the we have worst our... worst sequence of like on film action ever. Yeah. The sign swinging. <laughs> it's their what uh, 100th anniversary. Yeah, of the store and he's on it swinging back and forth. Mhm. And she offers him a job immediately rather than trying to help him. Help him, yeah. Which I, I'd be like, thanks for the job, but can we maybe stop me from getting seriously injured? Get, get me off this thing. Okay, uh, we actually just took a pause. So if you hear a slight shift in our dialogue, that's why we had to sing happy birthday to Sarah's daughter. And Sarah is now putting her to bed. But that got me thinking, Natalie, as we were <laughs> singing around the cake. When I Do you have any funny cake stories at all or... Like birthday cake stories at all or nothing? Funny cake stories? Well, like what jumped to my mind is when we were singing that, I remember when I was, God, I had to be six or seven. My For my grandpa, my mom had gotten those candles that don't go out. Yes. And like no one knew it. You, you probably already see where yes. this is going. And everybody thought it was really funny. And I thought I was like a little five, six-year-old helping grandpa. And I was like, no, here's how you put it out. And I spit on the piece of cake to put it out. <laughs> And then everybody was like, what the hell did you just do? And, of course, I started crying. And I felt really bad. And then I just got that piece of cake. Oh, no. But I was like, no, I'm going to help Grandpa because these candles won't go out. And I don't want him feeling bad. He can't put them out. So that's what I thought. I was like, oh, God, I hope Emma doesn't spit on this cake. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, personally have any stories like that. But that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Those, I, I mean, those candles you can't you can't lose when you've got those on a cake somewhere. I feel like as adults, we don't do that to each other enough. We don't. Yeah, we don't. I should have gotten those for Stephanie's birthday and put them on her cake. That would have made yes. it a lot a lot more fun. <laughs> uh, we were talking about how he got hired right before we went on that birthday. On that sugar singing. break. So she offers him a job as he's swinging on the sign, and he goes walking through the store with her, and it's just empty, empty, empty. But like the, the quintess- quintessential department store, yeah. right? Of the... Mm. Of the 80s. Oh, absolutely. And you just, just, I mean. huge, palatial. And as we see through the movie, when he goes and makes all those uh, window dressings, it apparently sells quite literally everything that could ever be sold. Yes. Ever. Every, yeah, they go through quite a few departments. I was uh, surprised yeah. at the audio department with their speakers. Yeah. Then they, where they had that, well, we'll get to, we'll get to the, yes, the, the montage coming, in a right? minute. <laughs> and he gets a job is a, st- I guess, a stock, stock boy, boy yeah. that seems to specialize in the women's underwear section, or at least that's what they keep bringing <laughs> up. <laughs> well, we also, that's also how we meet James Spader's character. Oh, yeah, James Spader! Who is... I I like James Spader. Oh, yeah. Got a soft spot for him. Absolutely. And he and Andrew McCarthy have a 
history together. So they were, the year before Mannequin was released, they were in Pretty in Pink. Oh, James Spader was in that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. He played, I think, Steph, who is like the kind of asshole guy that was, you know, hating on Andrew McCarthy's character for being with Molly Ringwald, mm-hmm. her character. Um, so then they did Mannequin the next year. And then the year after that, they were in Less Than Zero together. Oh, wow. Okay. so they... Which was a really dark film, mm. like about drug use and vapid California life, I guess. So these two worked together yes. a few times. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like thinking about that trajectory of their films together. And I wonder what they talked about every time somebody yelled cut. You know, like... <laughs> Well, especially during Mannequin. I mean, how do they keep it straight yeah. for most of it? Oh, absolutely. And James Spader is intense in this. He <laughs> is, I was looking at him. So I know James Spader more from, he was in, I was actually just talking to Brandon about this, from the Stargate series. He was in Stargate, the movie that kicked it off. I did not know that. Yeah, which I was actually just watching a offshoot of Stargate before we came and did this. But looking at him from this to that, and then his appearance in like The Office or some of the more newer stuff, I feel like using the words he grew into himself a lot is Mm. a good way to describe James Spader. Because in this movie, he looks pretty... I wouldn't call him a traditional male beauty in this role. He's got no. a unique, a unique creepy look to him. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, like I just feel like he grew into his face. If that makes sense, yeah, I can see that. But he's always had just that. His voice is just the coolest. Yes, and he, yeah, I, I like his joie de vivre. Yes, that and just I, the way he played the character in Mannequin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really sleezed it up. Yes, like is just annoying and irritating and awful as you can imagine well and from moment one he's writing this guy's ass about like oh i know where people belong and that's where he puts him in the stock room and all mm-hmm. that but i guess he's kind of what delivering things to different departments trying to keep an eye on emmy all the while mm-hmm. and then he meets hollywood oh yeah misha taylor mm-hmm. isn't that his name Meshach? Me- Meshach? Meshach? I don't know. Well, Sarah will correct us when she gets back. Say Misha Taylor. Yes, she'll confirm. He just died not too long ago. Did he really? Yeah, 2014. Oh. Like four years ago, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think, gosh, was it cancer or something like that? I thought he was super funny in this. He is. So he would be the sassy he's, sidekick, he's right? He's definitely the sassy friend. And like, the sassiness is off the charts. Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> Where do they, so those glasses he had, through the whole film, yes. he's like this stylish, I guess, professional window dresser is that what he does yeah yeah, he's like a a visual merchandiser but he his whole style seems to be built starting with these glad these 80s glasses he wears that kind of sweep over and all that Mm -hmm. you and i were both too young in the 80s i wonder did they just were there stores that specialized in these weird glasses because like he couldn't get them online i don't where is he getting these things from because you can't wear the same pair twice or it'll look tacky well i would think a place like illustra like the like the, the competitor yeah at the competing department store because that was just dripping in all things that were stereotypical 80s so do you think he went to illustra to get most I'd of like his, to his think, wardrobe and yeah, then came like, back and worked yeah when he was off he was off the clock <laughs> he maybe went in costume <laughs> Like with a trench coat and a hat. His part that freaking killed me is he pulls up at one point in the movie in this pink Cadillac. Oh, yes. When he turns the corner in and the God, pink what did, Cadillac. And the license, what did the license plate say? Ugh. 
Oh man, I meant to write that down. And yeah, I didn't. it said something sassy, and it's not coming to me. But mm. he pulls up and he gets out, and it starts. The shot starts speeding up at him getting out in the car, and I was kind of like, "What the hell are they yes. doing? Is this bad editing?" And then he gets out a car cover and puts oh. his own car cover, on, and it's a personalized oh. car cover that's polka dots and says Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> well, and I think of like somebody decided to go ahead and let that scene stay in the film mm-hmm. and then even sped it up a little bit. Yeah. I feel, I mean, so much of oh, this. Oh, that was a choice. It, <laughs> it should all be on the cutting room floor, probably. But I, I would have it, loved more of this film. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. Okay, so usually when I get, when I watch these movies, I like getting them where they have the director's commentary or cuts because even if it's like a cheesier movie or something, even like Shallow How, some of the commentary kind of shed some fun light on what they were doing, this, Mm -hmm. that, and the other. Well, we we couldn't get a hold of this movie. That would be such a treat. Oh my God, to hear an audio commentary track or extra scenes or like cuts of uh, Misha Taylor and them after the the scene, just like, what the hell are we doing, man? And I feel like certain... uh, uh, in particular, I guess, the scene where Hollywood and Jonathan are like first getting to know each other mm. and he's talking about, is it Albert, his um, Hollywood's lover, I guess, that he's... <laughs> I don't remember. But there were a few shots of Andrew McCarthy and he really looked like he was having trouble keeping it together. And I totally believe it because they, they just seem to be laying it on so thick mm-hmm. and like too thick for it to be anything but just like kind of stomach turning i have to believe that uh, the director michael gottlieb i have to believe that he was every time you would stop the camera for a cut be like okay i really like that go bigger yeah do more you need need to go bigger (laughs) like oh whoa i just pulled up the michael gottlieb's director like his filmography yeah you remember earlier when we were talking about a film called shrimp on the barbie I believe that was the film he directed after Mannequin. Oh, he did not really, <laughs> because I looked up, I looked up all of his credentials. I don't remember seeing that, but now it all comes together. The, the 1990 classic. He also did Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Oh boy! So this guy made—he's got a style of film he makes. He does, and I like several of and them. And he does it well. I cannot wait to watch Shrimp on the Barbie. The license plate of Meshach Taylor's car in mannequin Mm -hmm. bad girl bad girl that was it (laughs) and it closes in on the license plate too to add the little exclamation point (laughs) it's not even a subtle nod okay so he's working the underwear department and how the hell does he meet the mannequin so i think hollywood is worried about his lover and goes to find him or surprise him and Mm. Switcher says, well, I'll take care of the window for you. Because that's his job. And he decides to, I guess, just do it on the fly. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Hollywood leaves, then Emmy springs to life. Yeah, I think that sounds right. That's their first meeting where she animates. Again, when Sarah and I watched I Feel Pretty, and Mm -hmm. I know in a couple other ones of these, and like something will happen that jars a character... Or it just, it's completely like, you need to go to the hospital type of scenario. This is one of those things that if I thought a mannequin came to life, I would assume that I got drugged. I was assuming I was having a stroke or that right. I had died or something. Like, I would be, mm-hmm. I don't know, he looks bewildered, but he doesn't, I didn't think he seemed all that crazy. Like, he seems to get real cool with the situation real quick. Yes. Which, 
Maybe and I guess I've never had Kim Cattrall approach me in her prime, so I can't really say what my reaction would I, be. It's it's hard to say, and I do think that this whole film is an exercise in the suspension of disbelief. Oh, really? The film where a mannequin comes to life <laughs> and helps save a store with its great expertise in window dressing? Is yes. Suspension of That's what's at stake. <laughs> do you know that, and I have it in my notes a little later, but do you watch Bob's Burgers and all? Uh, I do. I no, I have not. They have an episode lo- like loosely based on this. Do they really? Yeah, I would I highly suggest it. And that's it. I love Mannequin because it's created so many parodies and people reference it. And I mean, mm. it's just known for being great, great in a terrible way. I see. That's the thing. <laughs> I I thought I know this got terrible reviews up and down. I think it's just fun as I think it's just fun as a lighthearted '80s. Like you said, just turn your brain off mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm not even talking that I like it in that you can poke fun at it like a bad movie. I just thought it was a fun movie. Yes. Again, in like the way of it being a lighthearted kind of kids movie, but then there's penis jokes, which was weird, but um, yes, but yeah, the Bob's Burgers thing, check it out. It was their Christmas episode. And I'll have to watch that. It, yeah. And it's like kind of loosely based on this. Only the mannequin doesn't actually come to life. It's just a crazy guy. <laughs> But he does window dressings for Bob's. Oh, no. and it's, but check it out. It, it's a good one. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. Okay, so she comes to life and all of a sudden they're having a great time and create this. Was the first one tennis? I think the first one was the tennis window. Yes. And it's completely mechanized. and Which apparently was a great, it's such an innovation that would cause you to stop walking down the right. street and go into a store. Stop you in your tracks. And after two or three of these to the point where their competitors were lost 89% of their business <laughs> because of window dressing. I know. It's just so ridiculous. What kind of customer loyalty to these places? They had like nothing if people are like oh yeah that place has the good window dressings we got to go there to get our our underwear and our speakers and our wire and our oh the speakers ropes. yeah also everything you can get there it's a one-stop shop but i do and it's kind of a love letter to the american mall so it's nostalgic for me in that sense mm. i mean, thinking about I mean, we didn't see windows like that, I think, in Columbus, Ohio. I don't think so as much, but I know they were a big thing. Well, I feel like, I think downtown, not when we were little. Well, the old city center, they used to have external windows and Macy's, I think, or Lazarus. Well, they had, too, that center part of city center Mm -hmm. where... If you don't know Columbus, this part's going to be really boring for you. It was just a mall in downtown that was like pretty much any other you know, right. 80s, Yeah, 90s like mall. mid-sized city mall. But they yeah. had that center part where the elevator was where there'd be like, I think Hanson performed there at one point. And I all, do remember that. And I feel like they always had some kind of done up theme thing in that mm-hmm. area. Uh, did you ever go to city center as it was closing for any reason or near the end of its life? I did. I did go near the end where it was somewhat of a morgue. Yes, that's a good way to put and it. And just a few stores were open. Yeah. And I, it was it was a different experience. It was. It was sad. I went right when, I mean, like a week or so before it was going to close. And it was really, they were just selling fixtures at that point. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't go that late. I that's got to be even more surreal. Well, because the people, the few shops that were open, 100% didn't give a fuck. And they had just like, you could go into any store and go back in the empty stock rooms. Like every oh, wow. door was just open. And That's they crazy. just do not care. The a little bit of Columbus trivia for well, I guess not really trivia, but if you go to the apartments down there that are where cities, they knocked they knocked them all down. They built these 
uh, really nice apartments, they didn't demolish in any way, shape, or form the parking garage underneath. So it's still the exact mm. same parking garage, which may sound crazy, but when I would, Stephanie lived there, I would park down there, and for some reason it felt so, just, there's something about that parking lot, the layout that was just different enough, you remembered it underneath. Yeah. And so I'd come up through the same little entrance, and I expect to pop my head up in city center. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I, I can't get a Sparrow oh. pizza over there. Oh, not anymore. What's the dumbest thing you bought at a mall when you were little and you were going around? Is there anything that jumps out to you? Oh, the dumbest thing. Yeah, like, does something jump oh, I'm sure or, or there just were a, tons of dumb things? I remember there is a, and just talking about dumb things bought at malls, there is a necklace shop. Like, they just made, like, stupid necklaces. Like, personalized ones or something? Like, you or? got to go around the shop and you would take, you took this little bowl and you would walk around the store and you could pick out, like, charms and beads and things. And at the front mm. thing, there was someone whose job it was that knew all these knots and they'd, like, tie fancy knots in it and whatnot. Mm. And I just oh. remember my mom let me make a necklace and I'm pretty sure I wore both of those that necklaces zero times because they were really, like, you know, they, I was, I was, a uh, probably a, 10 year old kid or nine year old kid i didn't know what look at i was like oh this thing has a yin yang symbol that thing's gonna look sick on me oh i better make it black and white and all that and i'm sure those things are in a drawer or a garbage can somewhere and i felt so i feel so bad looking back at that Mm -hmm. kind of dumb i think i had one of those no i I mean there were tons of purchases like that for me at city center Mm mm-hmm Sanrio things. Ah, What's Sanrio? What's Sanrio? You know, like uh, Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty is the most famous Sanrio, but there's Bad's Maru. Yes. Um, Kurobi. Wait, do you Kurobi. just mean like Japanese yeah, like character little... things? Sanrio is a brand that has like seven or eight. Something, something like characters. that. Probably like the little star twins or something. Um, what is the little dog? Starts with a P. Puppy? No. Poochie. Pino. Puffy? Pinot Grigio. Pinot yes. Grigio. <laughs> oh, oh, um, is it Nick Papa Giorgio? <laughs> yes. Peckle was that little um Peckle? Mm-hmm. Pick a peckle pick. Kuropi, yeah. Uh you sound like you're speaking gobbledygook. Bad's Maru. <laughs> oh Choco Co- Cat? Kobayashi Maru. Choco Cat, yeah. Yeah, Kuropi's a little frog. <clears throat> Tuxedo Sam <laughs> was a little penguin. <laughs> Okay, I think I've. I think we get the point. There's I'm a bunch tra- of names oh, of things that. Uh, Pachaco. Pachaco is the dog. Chacos. Pochaco. Yes. Potato. Yes. Was there a San Rio store at City Center? No, but there was a Hallmark that had um, tons of stuff. My parents, um, my dad and stepmom, lived in Atlanta for two years, from '96 to '98, and they. It was when Atlanta was like huge, booming, and there was this fancy mall, which incidentally Brian has been to just oh, in yeah. the last couple of months uh, for Express. The what the heck is it called? North Star Mall or something like that. And they had a whole San Rio store. It was amazing. Wow. I would. Love to go to one of those today. Today, mm-hmm. would you still buy oh, a bunch absolutely. of stuff? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. What Lots of little buy? trinkets, um, pencils and erasers pencil cases and erasers and bags. just little stuff. What like would you do with a pencil case as an adult woman? Just fun. Put stuff in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess that was a stupid question. You I put asked. makeup in it. <laughs> I retract. I retract my prior question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like compulsive containerism. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that runs in my family. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> I, I think my grandfather died of that. <laughs> so, so we were at the point where he meets her and she comes alive and they make the tennis 
window, and I think that's where we were at, and now I forget where it goes from there. So have we gotten into any of the um, tropes? Uh, she mentioned the Misha Taylor being the sassy side friend. We oh, talked about that sure, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the city we've already kind of hit on a little mm-hmm. bit, even though the fact that we all seem to kind of think it was New York. Can keep thinking it was New York kind of really doesn't play to... And there really weren't a ton of outside scenes. There were some, but you were pretty much in that mall, hmm. I thought, for most of it. I mean, there were some outside scenes, but it was just like it could have been any city. We got to see Roxy's apartment, I think, which is a great example of 80s interiors. <laughs> like that kind of like heavy, like light blush. Yeah, that oh, color gosh. would drive me Pastel. insane. Some brass. I'm really glad that those colors that moved away. on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is that they are were we gonna very look at stark? Are we gonna look at these colors unsettling. on your walls right now in a few years and be Probably, like, what the yeah, hell? I'm ready over them. Yeah, but it, I feel like those '80s colors made me anxious. Looking <laughs> at her apartment, I don't think I could relax in that place. Everything looked yeah. so just uncomfortable. Yeah. It felt like the house in Beetlejuice after they fixed it up, like just very. <laughs> I always think about the house right next door to Clark Griswold's in Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. It was like a classic kind of 80s high-tech Julia Louis-Dreyfus. They have all that nice stuff that Clark keeps ruining. Yeah, <laughs> Where did all this water come from? Why is the window broken? <laughs> yeah, that all makes me uncomfortable, the colors involved in all of those things. Yeah. The minimalist aspect of it. I couldn't mm, see Brian. <laughs> Brian loves minimalism. I love it too. Yeah. I think Brian likes minimalism in theory. <laughs> uh, Brian cannot do minimalism, but he does love minimalism. So where do where did this movie go from there? Tell me cuz I forget. I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, now they make the great <laughs> They make the great windows. I may have the hiccups. I don't think there's a may about it. I think you have the hiccups. I do, yes. Just power through and hiccup into the mic. I will. It'll all come out in post or not. I guess what we didn't touch on before was that Prince and Company is in danger of going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Because the store is all but empty when they Right, not a lot of business. And so James Spader character, his character is, I believe, the manager. And he's planning to sell to Illustra. A lustra. But okay, so a store going out of business usually isn't... When I think of a store that's in trouble, like Macy's or JCPenney, instead of looking empty, they look jam-packed full of crap. It's like they can't get rid of their inventory. Yeah. And it just looks like shit. And it's like a fire sale all the time. Well, in all fairness, we did say that they seem to have everything ever made in the history of the <laughs> planet in this store. Yeah. So, I mean, there you kind of go. So it, this, at this point in the movie, I was really starting to think like, man, is this is this going to be a rom-com or is this just a comedy? And then I didn't know where it was even a turn. I was kind of expecting Roxy to come back in as like a romantic interest for some hmm. reason. And then she just got progressively worse throughout worse, the movie. Yeah. So I'd She's say like the foil. So I'd say we're probably at this point, like it's an hour and a half movie. We're probably like 30 ish minutes into it at this point, And it's just now starting to tweak into a romantic comedy. Oh. I think I would say before this, it was just like a straight up comedy. We're, we're like 30 minutes before the romance really even comes in. But when it comes in, it comes in fast, furious and fierce and creepy. Cause again, like we talked about <laughs> earlier that people uh. start, See, so they're they're in danger of going out of business. James Spader is in cahoots with the 
manager of Illustra or something like the that. The owner, I suppose he is, mm. yeah. To sell, in, but all of a sudden these window dressings are so amazing <laughs> that, that everyone's, everyone's just coming in. Everyone's just got to be there. <laughs> and the store is, sa- is being saved. And then we keep seeing all Kim Cattrall and what's his name, Andrew McCarthy, making these window dressings together and kind of slowly falling in love even though he only sees her presumably for what like eight hours yeah six to eight hours a day and he's not (laughs) making a new window dressing every night is he presumably no Mm. i think that's too accelerated for the real world but (laughs) i I imagine he was probably already in love with her when he made her right so yeah because he made his ideal woman right but as they make windows together we get to enjoy the montage. <laughs> Is that when the song comes in? Is that the song, the montage That's song? That's the montage. I can't quite remember what the montage song is. I think is. the montage was just like a, a instrumental thing. Yeah, it was oh, like okay. a... Because he went to kiss her or something and she leaned back playfully on the piano whatever synthesizer and it kicks uh, off and they start dancing synthesizer this is an awesome montage too really it th- is so uncomfortable for you you thought it was uncomfortable <laughs> oh i was way on board with it yeah. where they're doing all the outfit changes just let it go dancing yeah. around in the yeah. elevator oh, oh i love the the freight the like freight elevator yes. one where he has the guitar and he's doing the 80s oh, no. guitar yes. moves they actually look tired in that at a point i'm like just go ahead and exit the elevator <laughs> like yes done now. you've done enough you've been in here for eight hours <laughs> yeah no i like the i like the elevator and i like this <laughs> montage an awful lot i thought it showed them growing uh fond of each other mm. i thought it had a reason other than just a, a fun uh, montage. Did you guys get into the fact that only he can see her? Oh, mm-hmm. like, did we yeah. say that? that? We haven't. I don't think we've mentioned Anytime someone yet. else is around, she turns back into a mannequin, which is problematic because then how does he, like, how does he know that... How is she, is she really coming to life <laughs> or is that just... Him going crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that begs another question that... I mean, this whole curse is problematic in a lot of ways. Is she, are we to assume that she is cognizant? Is it a curse? I guess it's not a curse, no. Man, what would it be? A muse. <laughs> well, to me, it almost seems like a curse. Well, let me let me finish my thought because then that mm-hmm. might aid in how I see it. Are we to assume that she's cognizant when she is a mannequin? Like, is she aware of what's going on or is she asleep and waking up? Because one of those, like, one of those I is think crazy she's terrifying. Because mm-hmm. that to me is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's like being I put into... I think she has control because she's the well, no, I don't ancient think, time I don't, traveler. I don't think she does because at the end of the movie, when she turns into a real person, she looks up at the sky and like, thanks some oh. entity. Ooh. Well, I think that was to find, like, thanking them for finally changing her So you think she... good. yeah. And I remember her saying at one point, I, I could something about the way that he put her together, and that oh she had, like, she was sentient. Yeah. At some point. So then, because hmm. to me that sounds terrifying, because that would be like when it you is. hear people waking up asleep and they're paralyzed, <laughs> but they know what's going on. Yes. Shut in syndrome. Yeah. So that's like what this. Yeah. This sounds like a. T- that's why I would call it a curse. I would yeah. not call this a blessing in any type for this poor woman. But also, then she seems real cool when she comes out of. But she finds her love. It, she it, doesn't have to marry that stupid Egyptian guy. When any time du- she- yeah, a camel dung dealer. Yeah. Hey, they did very well. Didn't they? They? Yeah, they made a shekel or two. 
I actually have no idea. Shackle <laughs> in Egypt. I mean, I have no idea. That just came to me. That didn't happen yet. Okay. Moses hadn't let his people go. I want to ask you guys, since it's Kim Cattrall, and this was like one of her earlier, this was one of her earlier roles, mm-hmm. right? I think up until this point, it had just been kind of... She um, was in Police Academy, apparently, oh God, just before this. Well, and also, uh, gosh, what was his name? G.W. Bailey he from was in Police Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in, like, all the police... I think he was in damn near every one of them. Like, yeah. every other actor had dropped out. Gutenberg had long left. And <laughs> G.W. was still all like, I'm in on this. <laughs> looks like she'd been in the business, though, like, 12 years. So she's known for Sex in the City. Like, that's mm-hmm. what she is known for. Finally gets some agency. Are you guys... Uh, are you guys Sex in the City, yay or nay? Pete? Oh, yeah, I like Sex in the City. I've seen some episodes. Was never a fan, though. Like, never... Um... Never dove in. No, never watched it weekly or... It was on at either 11.30 or midnight every night on like TBS and Laura Englehart and I would watch it on weeknights. Like that was our normal <laughs> weeknight thing and then go to bed. Huh. Yeah, the episodes I've seen have been like reruns on yeah. network. I never watched it live. Oh, yeah. I one time commented to other Laura that I thought it was a terrible show and she got really defensive. I think she really likes it. It was like, oh, you've you've never seen it. And I was like, you know what? I have never seen it. So I proceeded to watch the entire series in a matter of two weeks. I got all the oh, box. Wow. I borrowed the box Whoa. sets from like Laura, the ones she, I think she had all the box sets. I think I just borrowed them all from her and I got done with them and watched the movie and she was like, well, what did you think? I was like, it's terrible. <laughs> no, I don't think it's actually terrible. I just, here's my thing with it. And I think it stems from, I knew a group of people in college that identified as like the oh, Sex no. in the City group. Don't and I've met a few people that do like do that. Mm. And that just turned me so off that they'd be like, ugh, unironically, like, ugh, you're such a Samantha right now. Oh. Yeah. And to me, like that is, that is up there with guys that were, um like into entourage and thought yes. that they were the entourage group Turtle. i yes. know mm. by the way in, in mine i was johnny drama yeah so. <laughs> I, didn't see that. I became more aware of her because i like sci-fi and she was in star trek six oh. undiscovered country was she really she was not a good star trek but mm. you know still but that was my that was my sex in the city uh quest night do you think either of you guys would be any good at window window dressing oh yeah Really? I like decorating things. Hmm. Do you think you'd be any good at window dressing? I enjoy it as well. I think there's a lot of artistry that goes into it. Yeah. But they don't really do it anymore, right? Yeah, huh? Anthropology had a posting for... I mean, Brian is like... Mm-hmm. He does tales me, with that. I guess let me yeah. rephrase that. It, it's more at like the corporate level and then they pass it down what it's supposed to look like. No, right? sometimes. Right. Well, depends on the structure. But anthropology hires local people to do, and they even have like artists and residents. Are you kidding me? Who've done their windows. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. So this is like a real job. It is, it but can I, be. I, yeah, I think the circumstances have changed a lot, though. Yeah. Like, you got Mostly to, it's like, a You're telling sneak me, like, peek of... corporate would frown upon you marrying a mannequin, and that <laughs> yeah. would be, like, an HR nightmare. Right, and just, like, hanging out at all hours, just a couple of dudes putting a window together. Yeah, they're real <laughs> apt to let someone they don't know be in the store all <laughs> night with access to everything. Yes. Okay, so then we've, you know, they're in love, everybody in the building seems to know that this guy is fooling around with a mannequin because he carries it everywhere this guy's give a fuck meter is bouncing on zero man mm-hmm. he doesn't care that people think he's carrying around a sex doll 
I, well, he doesn't. But I would also <laughs> like to point out it's around this time in the film where people start referring to it as the dummy as opposed to a mannequin. Hmm. It's like from then on, it's like, oh, it's the dummy. He's got that dummy. And you don't like them robbing her of her agency in that manner? I don't. I just don't know. Like, why the switch? She <laughs> never term. had any agency. <laughs> That is a good. That is a good question, though. Why would it switch to? Yeah, all the of a dummy. sudden it's the dummy. Like he's in there with the dummy. Huh. <laughs> and we learned that the other competitor uh, or their competitor is losing all their business. Now they want to try and put this company out of business. They try to get him to come over to their. They have his ex girlfriend go and meet with him at lunch. Mm. And be like, hey, come work with me. They'll pay you all this money. He turns her down. There's a funny scene in a restaurant he used to work in. He rips off a toupee and sets yeah, it on fl- fire. Flaming toupee. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Does that. that. Is that an awesome name for a punk band? Flaming toupee. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Good if anybody point. out there starts a, a band called Flaming Toupee, just send us a CD. That's all we yeah. or a song. Just put us in the liner notes. Oh, God. That would be so good. <laughs> it, so, so after the Flaming Toupee, they then crack a scheme to go in and steal the mannequin. They get the the gw bailey who's the night security guard says he knows what mannequin it is they go in they end up stealing all the female mannequins in the store yes oh ah, but that happens you go well i was just gonna say before that they they finally consummate that was gonna be what i was gonna say yeah which i'm not sure of the anatomy involved yeah i'm not sure how that works but i'm sure they made it happen when a when a mommy when a mommy mannequin and a daddy human love each other very much, Natalie. <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of fuzzy on the whole thing myself. I can't go past that. Sarah? <laughs> what? Oh, well, I will say, I think when they're trying to poach him for a lustra, mm. I did note, what was the figure they offered him? $55,000. $55,000. Yeah. Like, it's like, we'll give you fifty five grand, <laughs> And he's just like, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to guess that's closer to 400000 now, 300000 Wait, what? $55,000 from 1985? Really? Yeah. While you're looking that up, um, G.W. Bailey has a really great moment where he calls Jonathan Switcher a fart blossom. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. I like that. So you're saying we should probably bring that bla- that back? Yeah, I think it's fart blossom. Should that be our trivia? Natalie is on our trivia team on Mondays. Should that be our trivia team? Be- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fart blossom. Team fart blossom. <laughs> yeah. It would be punchy. It would certainly get mm-hmm. people's attention. So $50,000 in 1987, the year that this great film was made today, or it was $55,000. Mm-hmm. I remembered thinking that it was an odd amount to throw out there. Um, uh, that's $122,000. Yeah. Almost one hundred and twenty three thousand. Hmm. Man, even after taxes, that's some walking around money. Yeah, yeah. to do window dressings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, geez, good on him for being loyal. Well, mm-hmm. we don't. In all fairness, we don't know how much he's making now. He could be making forty grand. True. All right. So I looked up the word mannequin. It comes from the Dutch for small man or a diminutive man. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, then turned into an idea of a, a figure, a model, or a dummy. So that's a synonym. Or a dummy. There yeah. you go. So dummy probably didn't start out meaning uh, stupid. 
Oh no! Some people call pacifiers dummies. Really? Because they're they're not the real thing. They're a dummy for. Oh. It's a replacement. The word means replacement. Interesting. Yeah. So when they started, wait. So maybe that that explains it. When they started calling it a dummy, it's because it was a replacement for a a sexy really? woman. Yeah. Yeah. So they go in with G.W. Bailey, and he swears he knows which mannequin it is. <laughs> Turns out, so that yeah, so they've consummated. We don't know how that works. We're still figuring out how babies are made. Sarah won't but tell it's us. But in a pile of furs, <laughs> I believe. They, they, uh, yes, they make they love make in a love pile in, of furs. Yeah, amidst which, furs. Which, let's be real, if you had access to a department store with a bunch of furs, that then, had... yes, do it. Absolutely. <laughs> how could you not? Then they end up taking all the female mannequins in the store... Because they can't find the mannequin. So we might as well just take them all. Yes, which presumably <laughs> is more than three or four mannequins. They probably need a semi to get these yeah, mannequins right? out. And when he finds this out, he obviously like loses his shit. Breaking and entering and grand theft. Grand theft mannequin? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. That also sounds like a... Uh, that sounds like a pretty good like band name. Grand theft mannequin? Yeah. It's a handful. Maybe that could be the the uh, Flaming Toupee's first album name. Could be Grand Theft Mannequin. Oh, jeez. Ah, jeez. Someone make the band. Give us a... Give us a just it's too close to, like, Jack's Mannequin. No, it's not. Yeah. They performed at Dayton to Daytona. I'm well aware because oh. I was blackout drunk during it. So were I'm, you aware? I'm told, I was not I, well aware. I'm told I I'm loved, told I was physically present. I, I do remember that show that... My glasses got kept getting knocked in the pool, and I am all but blind without them. And I drove to Daytona, and I just remember I was like, "Well, I, in the deep end." I just remember in my head, drunkenly being like, "Well, guess I'm not going to be seeing for the next four days." Oh, and then I, someone literally, the minute I thought that I was walking away from the pool because I wasn't going to go dive in the deep end and search for them, someone just mm-hmm. popped in. I was like, "Did someone lose these glasses?" And I was oh, like, "Yeah, shit. me." And then I got them knocked in about five minutes later again. And someone oh, found them. Oh no! And then I got one of those those floaty dad things that go around your neck. And oh, I, good idea. Yeah, and I wore it all week. <laughs> those were and i look oh yeah I there's a reason people have them. but the minute i got it they stopped getting knocked off my head altogether oh, so. that's how it works if you wear cheap sunglasses you'll never lose them it's the mm. same premise yeah drives me crazy if you get them at sunglasses hut are they gone are there still no sunglasses they're huts? still alive yeah, and well yeah. i've still... gotten three pairs there the, um really stupid question though are you guys disappointed with sunglasses hut that when you go buy them they don't have a tiny tiki thatch roof out over the front of it they used to. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Okay, good. I just that was I think, their whole thing. I just think they've gotten too far away from the hut aspect of the sunglasses. Like they got really into the sunglasses, but they forgot where they came from. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's also called Sunglass Hut. No, mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm sorry, Sarah. I walk in there, I don't see one pair of glasses on a on a tiki stand. I see glasses everywhere. I see sunglasses. Sunglasses. Yeah. Because right. not just the hut where you can. Get sunglasses. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. sunglass huts. Mm, not according that to this. Huts made out of sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up losing his shit and going with Meshach Taylor into the, the corporate office or whatever. And his girlfriend, for some reason, this this department store has like a a thrasher just crusher thing yes it's like a it's like a wood chipper kind yeah and <laughs> she puts a bunch of the mannequins why on. that would be in a department store you never know you just sometimes you just need to crush stuff well like i'd fi- <laughs> i'd understand if there's a box crusher back there but that just seems like a huge osha violation so she puts a bunch of mannequins on it 
and he knocks her into the boxes. She became a real pill during this film. She's one, yeah, she's one to climb the corporate ladder. And I mean, like, come on, your ex-boyfriend's in love with a mannequin. Like, give him a break. Just let, come on, he's not <laughs> doing too hot. Just let him have this one, man. Like, why you got to take that from now? I mean, can you imagine being that wicked of a person that you see someone that is in love with an inanimate object and you're like, I have to take that away from you. Yeah. Like, that's all. No, that person, that's all they got. She's just trying to break through the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're on her side this is <laughs> no i just like arguing <laughs> so she puts it there he ends up going up like this the wood chipper conveyor belt and just catches kim cattrall's mannequin hand who he is struggling all movie we've seen him very easily moving this mannequin about Yet, when she's falling <laughs> in the chipper, she apparently, like... Weighs 300 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she transforms. He pulls her up. A guy shuts the thing off and sees them. And, oh, I'm a, I, he can see me. He can see me. And she starts looking up and, like, thanking someone. I, I don't... I assume, again, the... Um, so, his ability to save her, then... That's what I was wondering, like, does that then turn her human? And it's like maybe it was like an act of tr- yeah. They're kind of wishy washy on the well. Love. I feel like the Twilove. the Pygmalion myth is that Venus, once she sees how true the love is of the sculpture, she grants the thing. She yeah, she grants the okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh okay. So he's willing to you know. Do anything to save her. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have framed he that shows, a little clear in the yeah. Egyptian scene. That would have really... Uh, yeah, hmm. this yeah, this film is not... Or that opening uh, animation. She's in the process of being mummified. Well, Sarah's a feminist. How does that make you feel, this idea that a woman mannequin has to sit around and wait for uh, a man-man to uh, to fall in love with her, for to just escape this? Like, as a... Yeah, that's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like she was very much in control. Like It seemed like she was the one traveling throughout history... Yeah, and trying to find she get, where did she, she get a choice of where she went? I, that's I. That's the trick. Yeah, like I, I keep asking myself that. Did she choose the eighties? Because I think that's mm-hmm. and did she did she itself. sign some sort of like Little Mermaid Ursula thing where it's like you can go? Mm-hmm. No, to there was this. just a prayer. No, I know, but like yeah. in the, in some backstory that we didn't see. Like, oh yes, it's like you can go. The caveat. And travel around, but you'll only be seen by the one guy <laughs> until he shows his true love, you know? Well, I mean, the director's cut had an additional 45 minutes in the ah. Egypt scene. No, I'm, I'm making it oh. up entirely. <laughs> uh, all uh, of a sudden, it's half of the movie Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? So I have a question, particularly for Justin. Yes. Did you notice his footwear? He was wearing bowling shoes. The, whole the entire, entire movie, movie. he was yeah. wearing bowling shoes. Why? I don't know if that was meant to be like I'm a quirky he doesn't starving believe artist in uh, any sort of um, but bowling friction. Sh- I feel like bowling shoes are <laughs> yeah. Do you remember in high Sliding school through life. you yeah. used to hang out the bowling alley with us some mm-hmm. they kids would steal them like crazy in high school to wear them to the really? point that yeah to the point where they would make you give your shoes shoes as collateral yeah. and if they and I remember if you gave them shitty shoes like that you were obviously like I don't care. I just bought these. Ha ha ha. Like they would make you leave money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, but I thought that, yeah, because bowling shoes are like, you'd be everywhere. Yeah. They are not. If you get real bowling shoes. And they are not comfortable. Well, not those kind. That was going to be my question. I, I don't remember wearing a pair of bowling shoes ever that 
felt like I wanted to keep them on for the rest of the day <laughs> yeah. and the evening and then wear them all the time. Right. Well, Natalie, I can tell you as a high school bowling coach as a, as that a uh, as a bowler and a high school bowling coach that uh, bowling footwear since the 80s has come quite a long way let me tell you both in form and function i'm glad Uh, to hear that i have a pair that are cheaper pair they're actually falling apart but they are in fact padded just like a normal shoe but they would still be terrible Mm -hmm. walking around because they don't have they are meant to any traction whatsoever i like that all three of us noticed that because that was like a very small (laughs) detail and he's wearing them in the rain because those are it's like a felt like yeah it's a wonder you didn't break a leg. Well, so, okay, well, and we'll kind of finish this up. So she, they fall in love. They get married in a in a window scene. <laughs> in a window, yeah. In a window. But what was <laughs> kind of funny is if you watched as it was zooming in on them, you could tell that the director told them to all stand like they were mannequins. Because for yes. half a second, yeah, I thought like, oh, are they all <laughs> mannequins? All yeah, and then they all just broke at the exact same time. And, that's funny. And that's kind of mannequin. The bad guys don't really... You presume they get in trouble, and but they yeah. fall in love and all that. Well, yes, Estelle Getty, I think, comes in at the end and says, I have footage of That's you trying right. to steal and or destroying you all the yeah. other mannequins. <laughs> so they're all, they're all held accountable. They're expensive. Mannequins? I imagine they are. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you... Here's where my head went immediately, though, with this movie. So he's... At night, he has no way to keep... Or during the day, he has no way to make sure this mannequin lady he loves is safe and she has no way to protect herself. She is defenseless. Wouldn't it have made much more sense? Like, and they, she doesn't care about like do, she can't do anything. She doesn't Mm -hmm. have hobbies. She's a mannequin that comes alive in a store. Like, wouldn't a logical thing to in like, take her home. Can I buy this? and I'm going to move to Alaska. (laughs) I mean, really like to move to an isolated place. And then the problem fixes itself. And, but then that also opens up an entirely different question. I guess you kind of answer it, though, with the fact that she was like a muse that went throughout history. I didn't really think of it that way, but it, I didn't catch that as much. But like, she's kind of just stuck. Like, what if this guy was a dick? Would she just leave the mannequin body? Like, do you think the spirit would leave the mannequin body and go elsewhere? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, she's kind of held captive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I was a spirit wandering around i wouldn't be like that guy who can't hold a job in, yes, Philadelphia, in philadelphia and wears bowling shoes all the time i'm definitely yeah. gonna why? pin my hopes on him why choose that yeah it's like not not your best choice but but it, it's so convenient in terms of like the whole 80s commercialism thing oh yeah you know? like yeah. that fits well for me yeah in that sense i love it but yeah she has no reason and would we agree that at large, I mean, it does, the soundtrack, I remember as I was going through it, liking the music quite a bit, because we talk about how that's a big part of it. I'm trying mm-hmm. to pop up the actual track listing. I believe Belinda Carlisle sang the opening credits song mm. over the animation. In My Wildest Dreams? Yes. You know what, actually, <laughs> now that I'm looking at this... Most of it looks like it was music produced by a gentleman called Sylvester Levi. Levi? Levi? And it appears like it's stuff just for this Yeah, there wasn't much. Jonathan's theme, It's You, the love theme from Mannequin. There's a song on the soundtrack called Looking for a Job. Oh my gosh, that's like Mark (laughs) Mothersbaugh doing all the music to... 
Wes Anderson movies. There's one called Hand Gliding. I'd be curious at what point in the movie that was. Uh, oh, yes. That was when I believe um, Emmy was hang gliding through the oh, department right. store, right? To try to get away. Yeah. That mm. that had to From, be very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nothing's going to stop us nothing's now. Nothing's going to stop it. us now. Tomorrow mm-hmm. doesn't matter tonight. Laying it on the line. We built this city a special club mix. Hey, hey. Um, Jefferson Starship, man. They're alive and well in this movie. I, they're real good. All right, so Sarah, what is your sequel idea? There was a sequel made, but I'd rather yeah. not talk about it and acknowledge that it exists past no. right now. Yeah. So what was your sequel? Well, I think that they should do a Christmas episode where he is challenged to like make the best Christmas scene. Okay. Or something like that. Or This is the same the same guy. We could do that. You know, because it's like, you know, Christmas is like when you really do, when you go all out and mm. make the, you know, the window dressings mm-hmm. for Christmas time to see how good he is. And he could have like some up and comer who's giving a run for his money or something. Mm. But I also thought we could totally change the characters, make it one of those weird Canadian ro- Christmas romance movies. Oh, <laughs> geez, you love those. And yeah, I do. And... Instead of an Egyptian woman come back to life as a mannequin, it's Santa. (laughs) And Santa is a mannequin. And then he's in this window display until he has to come back to life. Am I right? (laughs) Is he he a prince too? (laughs) No, he's just Santa. I'm Santa and I'm a prince. (laughs) Okay. So you're, I'm sorry, I, I, after I stopped listening after <laughs> you said Santa's a mannequin. <laughs> so you're saying a competition, a Christmas window competition where Santa is a mannequin who comes to life at night? Well, yeah, or like he's somehow stuck, I don't know how, in the mannequin body and he has to get out and become, you know, Like the Christmas Santa. spirit has to reinvigorate Santa? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's got a I think it's got like made for TV. But maybe like the window dresser is female. Ooh. And oh, and he's like a handsome just, young Santa. Yeah, sure. And she's like a small town girl. He's trying to make it big in the city, and has always believed in love. And you know, there's something about this mannequin, and she's really spending <laughs> a lot of time on this window display. <laughs> I I don't hate this idea. Ooh, 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 ooh. And like as it's getting closer, it's like a 12 days of Christmas where they have to do 12, 12 oh. windows in a row. And on one of those nights, like Santa takes her up to the roof and his sleigh comes. Yeah, because she's so exhausted. She's trying to finish this window. She falls asleep and she wakes up to him like wiping her face or something, trying to revive her. And she's like, what? And she thinks she's dreaming, you know? And they, like, have this romantic date. And then the next morning, she's like, was that all a dream? And then yeah. it kind of kicks off. I actually, and we, But we really have to turn the idea of Santa on its head. That it's like, you know, she could even have a line like, Santa? I thought Santa was supposed to be, like, an older guy. And be like, oh, well, mm-hmm. that, that was my father. Or something like, yeah. something to that effect. Like, he's the or, son. Or I am whatever you want me to be. You know, like, yeah. I, I, bl- I exist, uh, you know, as... The beliefs of your heart or something. Okay, then let's do this. Both of you guys said that you were pretty good at window dressings. <laughs> at at the uh, So let's say this movie gets made. 
let's say the Hallmark Channel, because that's where it's going to be on. Let's just mm. be very honest here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that they actually do to promote Lifetime. this movie, mm-hmm. or Lifetime, uh, let's say to the promote this movie, they actually rent a couple window dressings in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. or a little couple windows. I want each of you to pitch me right now. What does your window dressing look like to promote Mannequin 3, the Santa... Mm-hmm. Santakin. Yeah, the Santakin. <laughs> Santakin. <laughs> That's it. I, you know what? It doesn't even need to be Mannequin 3. It's just really, called Santakin. You can't yeah. really be like, there's a lot of snow around. You, you can't... You have to... It's a visual medium. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a sleigh. There's snow. There's lights. So you're saying your window dressing is just a sleigh and lights. I'm saying mm. you can't describe a visual medium. I want you to try something on it. I'm not. <laughs> well, there you fucking go. <laughs> Why won't you play with me, Sarah? Come play with I me. I did it. <laughs> Natalie, do you want to try since Sarah did it? Um, for to describe the window dressing. Mm. From Santa in the movie. Oh. <laughs> Or even what one of the Your twelve days of Christmas could be. I would. Ma- I don't know. Maybe have all different types of limbs suspended from the ceiling oh. and kind of moving in to create Ooh. the Santa, and then back out to kind of play with. Okay. The viewers. This is different. Yeah. Perception of whether it's mm-hmm. complete it's very avant-garde. Or not. Yeah. No, it's bold. I. I don't dislike it. Gosh, what? What would mine be? Maybe like a sleigh, but it would be. Like handsome Santa mannequin in it, and like a mm-hmm. live and like a live girl sitting there with like her arm over him or something. Like there would there'd he, have to would be. Would he a live be wearing person. like a typical mm. Santa suit or like a more dapper? I, I suit? I think it would be like a now suit, but like red, like a oh, okay. something you would see, mm. like okay. a mm. like an some express, like an yeah, like an express suit, but like a deep, like a, a burgundy, like yeah. a real mm. deep with a skinny tie, skinny white tie, yeah, yeah. white, wow. yeah, maybe a little hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a cat, but like maybe a Definitely cabbie hat or something kind of classy. Yeah, but it's like one of those. Um, I don't know if it's like the lumberjack. I would think like a like a scruff beard, more yeah. like what Brian or I usually like yeah. a scruffy, not a full big. Yeah, the Santa can. And then, but then, what happens? He could say that his dad Santa punished him. Trying to cr- teach him the true meaning, meaning of, of Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and he has to, and that's when he learns it is when he'll he'll be able to go back to the North Pole and stop being a mannequin. Santa can yeah and so she she realizes when it gets down to the end Mm -hmm. that she either can win the competition yeah with a good Christmas one or she can win his heart with one about the two of them but she but she can't do both yeah and her boss is like Joan Cusack who's you know just wants yes to win and at you know at any cost and she's against like the other store owner or something who's like danny devito or something like that no you know, and you, you know and you know you know who i want in uh who i want to be in it as her um sassy friend hmm. you're not gonna like this but i think it's so good because it would be a different take on like the sassy friend she, so she'd be the new window dresser there and the former window dresser that is just burnt out and over it and writing until he's done and very cynical sassy best friend in santakin mark maron yeah okay <laughs> like as the grizzled vet that could the, work yeah, yeah. But it would be like a grizzled vet sassy best friend that was you know like a very defeatist yeah. attitude and then gives mm. her the speech at the end it's like you know what just you, you gotta all these do years, you, know, you all these years that i just haven't given a fuck about anything and now <laughs> you're giving up right when you get me to give a shit like no we're not doing this 
Wow, like Sarah, it. you actually just pitched a really good <laughs> Madigan sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Out of the ashes, a phoenix rises. <laughs> Do we have any other notes for this episode? Yes, or- I have a yes. confession to make. I think I had more space in my brain to create this amazing uh, sequel because I didn't watch the movie. <laughs> I was wondering this whole time. I have been wondering. I totally ran out of time. You I did. was like, oh, I can't tell if she just didn't like it and was not interested. Did you watch any no, of it? Not a single frame. You said you bought it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to figure I, out how to return that. <laughs> I spent like I spent like five minutes telling Natalie at Trivia that she had to watch it because that was the bare that minimum was, requirement. Yes, he said, if you do yeah. anything, just make sure to watch the movie. <laughs> Brian was a little upset for me and was trying to give me notes like panicked right before you that guys came over. That would actually make sense why he was telling me things about Mannequin and yeah. I kept trying to get him not to ruin it for the episode. <laughs> I was wondered like, Sarah, if, look at this. Look. I wondered if that was typical. I thought, oh, Brian comes and like, he, he, does he knows some trivia he does about the films yeah. too. But like, he was like having anxiety for me oh. and was like reading up on it and telling me about it. I'm Did like, you at least mm. read the like the wiki summary? I, yeah, I read IMDb and I read the article Brian sent me about Mannequin. And... Yep. <laughs> Oh, I man, really did it. Sarah. Well, the thing is, you guys got me drunk last night. We did. And ruined everything. Man, you well, do it was your birthday. It was my birthday and then Emma's birthday. And it's just, I'm off whole 30. I'm just blowing through stuff. Yeah, you were petting a lot of dogs drunk last night. <laughs> you can't. Just... Natalie, do you have, as someone who's seen the movie, any more notes <laughs> or things that you want to hit on Mannequin? Oh, I just think it's one of those films where if you're prepared to be uncomfortable and cringe a lot and then laugh (laughs) then by all means watch it why did you choose this as the film um i don't like romantic comedies really like i'm not a big fan of the Mm -hmm. genre Mm. i've seen a lot of them i mean i love films (laughs) you guys know that Mm. yeah but this is like i said i saw it early on as a child and then just somehow yeah somehow saw it again when i was a teenager and then you know again a few years later Mm -hmm. and it's one of those things that i i really don't see how it was made yeah oh and then i don't see how it was released oh i 100 how did somebody not just say no dice oh come on let's not do it guys they threw so much stuff at the wall in the 80s as far as movies i don't think this is that bad of a movie i enjoyed it from beginning to end good that's i really did me too very glad to hear that (laughs) i mean i really did i don't think i'd ever seen it i thought it was fun i thought it was just just goofy enough if i was drunk and watching it it would have been even 10 times more fun yes and it's a fast watch it's it's 90 minutes or below yeah you're in you're out and it's yeah i mean you can tell that they were i hope having fun and it's a flight of fancy and Mm. yeah justin's very good at suspending his disbelief Mm. i'm good at that too yeah than i am yeah no i watch a lot of pro wrestling so i'm i'm pretty good at putting things on the back burner well brian said the same thing you did that he saw it when he was way too young very young and it just kind of stuck in his brain yeah the sexual innuendo is 
all over the place. I wonder if kids would catch on to that really though, because as an adult, I'm really seeing know. it. It stands out when he's like, he's like, my dick is this big or something. You know, yeah, you know? he's like, like, hey, I'm I'm heading home. Can I ride you or something like that? <laughs> is or, what that Italian coworker said to Roxy. Or it was Jeez. it was kind of a little subversive most of the movie, except for the part where he flat out said, "Can we go home and have sex?" And she said, yes. "Okay, but if we go now, or I'll say no." It was like <laughs> Jesus, like you guys were at least towing the line there for a little right. bit. Yes. Oh, I will end. I think it was G.W. Bailey's character, Felix, the security guard, when he's talking about Hollywood and Jonathan Switcher when he first comes on. And Mm. he's like, where do you people come from? And Switcher says, Ohio. (laughs) Of course. I didn't hear that. (laughs) That's fantastic. They have those types of people in Ohio. (laughs) Yep. In Ohio, all we do is love inanimate dummies. And shop. Well, we yes. actually did spend probably 10 minutes of this episode talking about what window dressings we would put up. And <laughs> so that's good. Well, then, as we do in every episode, if you had to put, Natalie, a rating on this movie from 1 to 10 of how much of a quintessential rom-com it is, 1 being a horror movie, 10 being the most perfect rom-com the closest we've gotten so far is roman holiday with a 9.5 if you had to put kind of you know with the tropes that it hit with it being you know a big chunk of rom-coms is just that there has to be some central force driving to would be lovers apart Mm -hmm. you know if you had to put a number on that a rom-com rating of sorts Mm -hmm. what would you put I must say, I think the romance quotient is a little weak on this film, considering the other films that you've mm. reviewed so far, mm. because I am an av- avid listener. Mm. <laughs> yes. We appreciate that. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> but the comedic portions I love, it's different, mm. which is what draws me to films. Anything that's just, I don't know, a little absurd. Mm. <laughs> so I'd give it a 6.75. Okay. Mm. All right. <laughs> yeah. Quarter. Quarter percent. Um, Sarah, from what we've talked about this movie, I don't know. And you read, <laughs> Sarah uh, doesn't get to vote. Okay, Sarah's uh, out. <laughs> I would probably put it. See, I re- it, once it got rolling into the rom com, I did like it. But like we were saying, there was about thirty minutes at the beginning of the movie that was entirely devoid of. And then there was probably another 15 minutes after that where I kept thinking his ex-girlfriend was going to be the romantic lead. It wasn't until probably halfway through yeah. the movie mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, he's in love with a mannequin. He's in mm-hmm. love with an inanimate object. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I thought she was just going to be his muse through most of it and like then shift you know, his ambition. And then he'd go back to Roxy and he'd have a good job and all that. Like, I thought she was going to be the muse, not the main romantic mm-hmm. lead. Huh. Um, and the fact that that wasn't like really cemented for me until halfway through... <sighs> Yeah, I'd, I'd put it like a five, I, yeah, five or six. Five, middle of the road. Yeah, five yeah. or six, because it, I mean, it, I, it was a romantic comedy. Yeah. I, I would 100% say that. It's not one where it's like, eh, this is a stretch. Like, no, it's definitely a romantic comedy, but it definitely, like you said, it leans quotient-wise more towards the comedy. <sighs> now, I'll go well, six. I'll I go mean, six. Yeah, I'll go six. Yeah, it's hard to, mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew McCarthy, he's yeah. a pretty good actor, but it's hard to fall in love with a mannequin. <laughs> that's true but at least she'll tell you she'll never tell you that your hips are too fat that's right that's what girls say to guys all the time <laughs> and if you do happen to fall in love with a mannequin you can let us know about it by shooting us an email at mail at romcomcom.com or connect with us on instagram our mm-hmm. insta name is 
Romcomcom, D-O-T-com. Rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do on Instagram. So um, let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know if you have fallen in love with a mannequin. Just uh, (laughs) if you have any ideas for movies. Or a bridge or a car. You know, there actually is a documentary. Okie dokie. If uh, if you even have any movie suggestions for us, let us know. Because this one, Natalie kind of mentioned this to us. And both Sarah and I. We're like, wait, what? That's a romantic comedy? I guess neither of us had, yeah. well, neither of us had seen it at that point. One of us still hasn't seen it. That's right. Uh, but if you have any unorthodox suggestions, just fire those off at us and we'll check them out. And we also need to put this in a category that we're starting to see rom-coms that have supernatural elements. Because mm-hmm. like Shallow Howl. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, well, there's part. a slightly different one where it's like, did you have a head injury? Like Amy Schumer and I feel pretty and things. It's like, did you physically hurt yourself? And then, you know, imagine all this or a supernatural element, like an ancient Egyptian person, you know, becoming a mannequin or, um, who does the fountain thing? The fountain thing? Don't they wish on a fountain? Amy Schumer did it, but that's not what caused her to. Is that from Freaky Friday or what was that? I mean, bit, she what, was referencing. I know we've argued this a lot. Big. big. We don't. We haven't settled enough. We think that's a romantic comedy yet or not. Yeah. That has, like a magical element in it. You know, there. That's there, a whole kind that of genre. There's that cooking one that has like a magic crab or something in it. I oh think. yeah. What yeah. the hell is that thing? Oh, with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this would definitely fall right. into that yeah, magical. Yeah. Level. Call it would it be like magical or fantastical or yeah. So, yeah, supernatural. I don't know. Okay, so is there anything else, guys, or is that no? Is that about it? Thanks, thanks for entertaining my suggestion. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming on. I'm, I apologize for Sarah profusely that she couldn't, but we had to take her out and but get I her did drunk make last you night. Cake. She did make I, us cake. I did eat the best cake ever. <laughs> Sarah made it. Well, yes. thank you, Natalie, for sitting in with yes, us. Yes, thank you very much. My pleasure. And also, I want to thank This Is My Suitcase for providing our intro and outro theme. It's off the album, The Keys to Cat Heaven. But Sarah, I got to tell you, this past week, we saw a member of This Is My Suitcase out and about and told him that, you know, we were using their song as a theme song with another member's permission. And he liked that. Well, since then, Mm -hmm. they have actually released another album called Cat Heaven Naked that you can get on Bandcamp. I'd really suggest checking it out. Cat Heaven Naked? Cat Heaven Naked. It's like the original original kind of mixes of the keys to Cat Heaven, and they're more stripped down Mm. um, with another new song on there. All the proceeds from that also go to benefit a friend of the band's whose mother is battling cancer, I think, right now. So Hmm. go check that out again. uh, Album we used the keys to cat heaven love off of that but you can also find a stripped down version of that song on cat heaven naked so please go check that out and if you like it hey buy it support the band and support a good call and columbus and columbus <laughs> uh but i guess that being that um that's kind of the episode and again thanks natalie for sitting in and to everyone listening thanks for listening <laughs>
They should really have called it Cat Heaven now. 